Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Full Seam Ahead. It is Friday. We are inching ever so closely toward October, toward the playoffs. And, you know, we're kind of in this stretch of playing these not-so-great teams. It kind of takes a little bit of the, the zap out of the season right now, but it's still good baseball nonetheless. And we are here today to break down this series the Astros just completed, taking a series from the Texas Rangers, last time we're going to see them all season. And now coming to Houston for the series at the Juice Box is the Los Angeles Angels, the last time we will see them this season. So before we get into all of that, and of course our Astros roundup and around the league, Lorenzo, what is your one word coming out of this series against the Rangers? Well, my one word would have to be resilient. You know, uh, going to the juice box on Monday's game for Hunter Brown's debut. Um, of course, they had the concert of Bad Bunny and everything like that. So we didn't expect the field to be that bad. But, you know, when you're physically live there seeing the grass, how it was in the outfield. Oh, gosh, it was just bad. It just the grass didn't even look like it was growing. It looked like almost like there was patches out there. But um, baseball wise, the boys got it done. They got the series win. That's all that matters. Um, offensively, it's looking, you know, a little, you know, not there. But obviously, you know, this team has a veteran lineup. They'll figure it out sooner than later, you know, going into October. But, you know, taking care of business of the Rangers, we already finished uh, that series with them. We got the silver boot already clinched a long time ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, the boys look good. You know, hopefully this weekend we could do it again. Yeah, I think resilient is a great way to put it. You know, there were there were times this whole this whole series where it was kind of bend, don't break, and uh, and the boys ended up getting getting it done two out of three. I mean, going into that that third game, the come from behind win with the you know walk off wild pitch. There, there were times this series could have gotten away from us, but it never it never did. Uh, but let's start off with uh, the first game of this series. We got a dominant debut from Astros number one prospect Hunter Brown. Uh, you were there in person. You saw him. What was your immediate takeaway from seeing the big pitcher yourself? Very impressive with all the stuff that he delivered. And, you know, like we said before, he was impatient. I think he was ready to come up here and show the guys what he's all about. And sure enough, he did. I mean, the first three pitches, just punching it into Maldonado's glove. And you could just hear the pop out of that catcher's mitt from Maldonado. But, um, you know, really a great debut for him. I mean, you know, being first overall, 71 ranked in MLB pipeline, uh, first three batters having two consecutive strikeouts, um, you know, half a billion dollars right there from Simeon and Seager. Then yeah. obviously the big, loud uh, line out from Lowe. Um, after that, I mean, he looked good. He had a no hitter too, I believe, till like the third inning. You know, obviously it's not going to happen, but I mean, it lasted when it could. But you know, he finished the stat line with six innings pitch, three hits, no earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. So I, I think it was a great debut for him. Um, obviously, he had some trouble in the fifth. Um, got a single, had a walk, so he had two outs with runners on. Got out of the jam by striking uh, Bubba Thompson out. And, um, I mean, I liked everything that he brought. His fastball was there, you know, 96 to 99 miles per hour. The slider, of course, like we talked about, um, you know, I mean, it was pretty good. Um, 92, 94 curveball, of course, that 12-6 that he has. Um, you know, everything went well for this rookie. And especially, you know, not giving up any runs, even though it's it's against the Texas Rangers. At the same time, too. It don't matter. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter because you're going against a major league baseball yeah. team, not the Round Rock Express or, you know, Albuquerque Isotopes, any of these, you know, minor league teams. So, um, I mean, I saw what I like to see from him. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully he gets a pitch in Detroit. I believe he he has either the Monday start or the Tuesday start, but they'll know. And, um, you know, from him being that Detroit, Michigan area, be great for him to pitch in front of his family and friends. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely an impressive debut. I mean, we, we've been talking about him all season long, waiting to see, you know, when he was going to come up and what that was going to look like. Uh, I know a lot of us, myself included, thought that he was going to be in more of a bullpen role. So I was I was a little surprised, mm-hmm. you know, when they even announced that he was getting the start uh, to open this series. And he, he did phenomenal. He looked great. Uh, unfortunately, the offense wasn't there to really give him much support at all. Um the only run again, like I said, coming from from Maldi. Um, but the bullpen got it done, took care of it, shut it down. Uh, uh Brian Abreu going one inning pitch, two Ks, Hippomeris, one inning pitch, two strikeouts, and then Montero who's starting to look like his old self again. Uh, one inning pitch, one strikeout, and the save. So even though the offense wasn't really there, Hunter Brown got it done, the bullpen got it done, and the shows got it done with a one nothing win. That's a good way to start a series. Yeah, especially again that um rookie his first win as well. Going six in his pitch, you know, with the one run zero game. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, nervousome for him because, you know, he pitched his ass off and everything like that. And for the offense not to support him. And that was the biggest thing that we talked about was get the rookie some run support. Obviously, they didn't do that. Chaz had a multi-hit game. Uh one through five of the lineup had a hit. Maldi coming in clutch with that two out RBI single. And then, like you said, the bullpen just coming in. Brian Abreu has been impressive. You know, for me, I was not a Brian Abreu fan, but right now he's just showing out. And and I think that's the best thing for him because obviously he's going to be fighting for a, a uh, roster spot in that postseason roster. And then, um, you know, Hector Neris and Rafael Montero, you know, closing, closing it down until Ryan Presley comes back and gets that ninth inning role. Yeah, it, it, overall, I think a lot, lot to be happy about out of that game. Uh, but game two of the series, game two, not so great. Game two, uh, Tuesday night, a bit of a fr- another frustrating one. And the real story here, I th- well, there's two kind of big storylines coming out of game two. One of those is when we talked about this series on our last episode, we thought this is the one, you know, we can chalk this up to win. Framber's on the mound. He's been pitching, you know, incredible. Um, but it didn't turn out that way. It ended up in a 4-3 loss for the Astros. Uh, and we'll talk in a minute about, about Framber's struggles, but the offense was was really the issue uh, as far as turning base runners into runs. The Astros got eight hits, uh, but they were one for 11 with runners in scoring position, and nine men were left on base. And, I mean, if that's not the story of the season, I don't really know what is. Uh, you know, we've seen the capability of this offense. This is the same team that hung 23 on the White Sox. A couple of weeks ago, we've seen them erupt for double-digit um, run games, but they're also capable of, of doing this. And it's it's super frustrating, especially when you have good nights from guys like Pena going two for four and Tucker going two for four. Altuve with a little oppo taco uh, on, on Taco Tuesday, all for nothing. All for nothing because you can't, you can't bring your boys in. And it, it's just – it's a frustrating habit for this team that – they got to kick here pretty quick. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I mean, the the talents there, the offense, you know, we've seen, you know, players of the months in Alvarez and Bregman, um, you know, Altuve, we know what he could do. He's been a 300 hitter, and, you know, through some of his career. And then Pena right now, that two hole just looks a different player. But, you know, again, the guys to hit and situational hitting is the biggest part. Uh, we saw Christian Vasquez. What was it, that game? Yeah, no, that was the next game. Um, you know, he had some, no, it was Maldonado. Nope, my fault. That was his third game. But, um, you know, to credit what you're saying, I mean, offense wasn't there. We got RBI ground out from Yuli. We got an RBI fielder's choice from Chaz. It, it wasn't the biggest hits that we were trying to see from guys like, you know, like we're saying, Alvarez right. for sure being the one that needs to get going. And then Bregman himself, Bregman himself not being able to come up and, you know, get that clutch hit. So, I mean, I think the two out, situational hitting is the biggest thing that comes into play for these games. And of course we don't want to play, you know, into their, you know, the way they're playing Obviously they're not the best record in baseball, but we say we got to handle these, you know, lower 500 teams like we do with the 500 teams, but we talked about it too. Glenn Otto had pitched, you know, all these games against us to earn runs. Yeah. Yet again, he gets another two um, earned run outing. You know, he went four innings pitch, five hits, two earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. Um, you know, that is like saying, don't think of a pink elephant. You think of a pink elephant. Obviously, this offense, you know, we said don't do two earned runs. Obviously, they scored um, two earned runs. But, I mean, to credit where it's at, it didn't help, you know, throughout the whole game with the offense. Is it there for Framber, especially when he's trying to, you know, continue to make history? Yeah, and you know that's that wasn't the other big story. Like you said a minute ago, coming into this game, this is when we kind of thought was in the bag, just with Brembo on the mound because of his dominance this season and and lately. Uh, but he ended up getting the loss on, on Tuesday night, uh, going six and two thirds, six hits, four runs, but only two of them earned, four walks and eleven strikeouts. It was not. The most incredible outing from Framber, but really you can't blame him a lot. You know, those two of those runs being unearned, mostly because of some of the worst defense we've seen from this team this season. Yeah. And it, you know, usually last year we were the best, you know, defensive team. We honestly, we obviously got a glove out of it from Rawlings. And, um, you know, in the second inning, Altuve threw the ball under to Yuli and allowing that run to score which it doesn't count as an earned run. Bregman couldn't handle the ball in the fifth inning. And then Yuli, and this was uh, Framber's inning, the seventh inning he was trying to get out of. Yuli couldn't make the transfer to Framber when he was getting in his glove to give it to Framber and then allowing that run to score. So defensively, we weren't there. It was just, I think it was just one of them games that we really can't do nothing about it, but just scratch it and go on to the next one. Obviously, offense wasn't there. Defense wasn't there. Overall, it was just a bad game. But on the bright side, Framber Valdez still continues his quality start streak to 23. And hopefully he continues, you know, to go on. Yeah, you know, again, like you said, not not the greatest game, but you got to scratch it and move on. That's exactly what the Astros did going into Wednesday's game three. Uh, able to pick up the win, able to pick up the win behind a, another kind of shaky outing from Christian Javier where we saw him struggle in the early innings, but eventually pick it up and get it going. 
His final line was five and a third innings pitched, four hits, three runs, one of them earned, uh, two walks, and eight strikeouts. So, I mean, you know, those those high Ks are still there for Javier. And I think that's the big thing with him is, yeah, he's been a little on the un- inconsistent side, uh, but, man, is his potential not high. It is so high. I've got I've got great expectations for him in the future. Um, but o- overall, I mean, it was a decent outing from Javier. Um, it was just enough because the offense was there to get just enough to get the win. Yeah, and, you know, from Bragg's going one for two with two walks, obviously we talked about his play discipline. Um, Kyle Tucker, one for three with that King Tuck bomb to the King's court with the home run and two RBIs with the walk. And then Yuli going one for four, but a clutch hit to get an RBI single yes. to get a run. So, I mean, the offense wasn't at its best, but it did just enough for us to stay in the game when Javi gave up them three runs, like in the first four, I believe, innings. So, um, and then obviously, too, Pena had a throwing gear in the third, which doesn't help. You know, we talked about the defense the last game, and then it kind of continued this game. Luckily, it was just one error. It didn't hurt us. And, um, yeah, we obviously got that last run in from a wild pitch and Altuve scores. So, um, overall, I mean, it was a great game for offense and Javier. And, you know, that's one way to do it. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, Kyle Tucker with that three-run shot to, to tie it up was huge. Um, but the real MVP, if I think, of this game would be the bullpen. You know, obviously yeah. Javier only going five and a third. Uh, but the bullpen coming in and, and shutting it down um, – really made the difference here. Martinez, Abreu, Montero, and Neris combined for four and two-thirds, giving up only one hit and collecting three strikeouts along the way. And how about Hector Neris? Hector Neris making a great play in a 10. Mm-hmm. Move Keep fast like a cat, too. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, overall, I mean, I think you got to feel good about this series. Um, sure, we would have liked the sweep, but guess what? You win two out of three games every time. You're gonna win the World Series, uh. So you know you gotta you gotta feel good about that. Um, yeah, I think like you said, resilience a really great way to look at this. It's closing the book on our season series with the Rangers. Uh, we will not see them again until April because obviously they are not going to make the playoffs. We won't be seeing them anytime soon. Um, but yeah, great series. And now the Los Angeles Angels come to town just a week after. We saw them out in Anaheim, and this is another team It'll be the last time we see them this season. The Angels also uh, already being eliminated from po- – or not from postseason play, technically, uh, but they've been eliminated from the division. They're not going to get a wild-card spot. Even though they're mathematically not eliminated, I would bet my life that they're not going to make the, the wild-card. <laughs> um, the Angels are 60-77, and 77, 28 games back in the division – uh, they are six and four over their last ten, which I think to the Angels, I think that's a hot streak. I think I think that's a bit of a hot streak <laughs> for them. Um, they won a three game series against the Tigers, and Mike Trout, man, he's hot. Gosh, I know what hit a home run in each of his last four games consecutively. Um, you know he's hot right now, but you know the interesting stat I saw on StatMuse in eleven games versus Houston this year. He is batting 184, you know, seven hits out of his 38 at-bats, two home runs, two RBIs, the biggest of them all, 18 strikeouts. 
He hasn't yeah. been seeing the ball pretty well against these pitchers, and I think that's a good thing for us because, you know, Mike Trout's been hot right now. You know, hopefully we could cool him down the juice box. Another interesting thing I saw earlier, um, you know, in Center, one through three is third best in MLB, I think, in batting average, I believe, with Aaron, not Aaron, David Fletcher, uh, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani being that mm-hmm. one through three. And, of course, you know, David Fletcher is a good contact hitter. You can't give that up. Um, but after that, you have nobody. I mean, Taylor no, Ward hasn't been doing since, you know, his little first little hot streak in, in the season. Um, who else? Jared Walsh is hurt right now. Same thing as Aaron. Um, not Aaron. What's um, the Nationals third baseman? Ron Anthony Rondon. Anthony. You see, I knew it was an A. Anyway, um, you know, without them players, I mean, this Angels team isn't, you know, what they expected. Obviously, they went to go get Noah Syndergaard, the tr- not the trade deadline, but, you know, in the beginning of the season, they thought they were going to be a different team. But obviously, it's the same, you know, California team that we've seen in this AL West. Yeah, and, you know, like you mentioned, really outside of that bottom three, but really I would say outside of Trout, and even you could say outside of Otani, that's pretty much all this team has going for it. You know, Trout struggled with his health this year. Um, but he he is looking hot. But I saw the other day that Otani leads the Angels in all batting and pitching stats. He has the lowest ERA, the highest average. He he's he is that team. Um, and obviously we'll see him on the mound again this this series. Uh, but those two guys right there are the heart and soul of this team, and they that's about all there is. There's no arms, there's no legs, there's just the heart nope. and soul. That, that that's pretty much it. Uh, but we'll get this series started tonight in the juice box. We'll have Lance on the mound. Uh, he's two and one with a 208 ERA, and he'll be going up against Michael Lorenzen for the Angels. Lorenzen is six and six with a 4.94 ERA. Uh, McCullers is coming off his last start at the Angels. Uh, so familiar foe where he went five and two thirds, giving up six hits and two earned runs, uh, and allowing four walks while collecting seven strikeouts. That wasn't, you know, the greatest start from Lance, but it wasn't it certainly was not a bad, a poor start. Uh, his fastball command really wasn't there. You know, he was relying more on the curveball. Uh, again, I think with Lance, the thing is we've, we've kept saying since he came back, you got to find the zone. You got to stay in the zone consistently. You know, throw strikes. You know, those four walks, again, that's, you know, that's not, not the number you really want to see there. Um, but to me, that's that's kind of one of the keys of the game is, is not giving not giving those – Poor batters, uh, free free passes to first base and beyond. Yeah, I just think um, just getting lands getting ready and prepared for the postseason. I think that's the biggest thing for him. He's just looking, trying to get back on track, getting the groove of things once again. You know, being that dominant pitcher he was in twenty twenty one. So I think that's the biggest thing for him is to look, you know, like himself again, have the sharp, um, you know, command, not giving up a lot of walks like he was. Being that true ace, basically, in 2021 that he was because, you know, obviously we knew Justin Verlander wasn't there. So somebody had to step up, and obviously Nash McCullers Jr. did that. But obviously, too, we don't know if he's going to be in the bullpen. We don't know if he's going to be in the rotation. Um, I think, you know, obviously all of us would love for him to be in the rotation. But, you know, putting him in the bullpen could help us, too. So I think at this point it's just getting him back on track, getting that fastball going. Uh, the two seam, the four seam as well. Obviously, we know what his curveball could do to these hitters. So I, I think, you know, Lance is, a, is at a good point right now. But just more starts is just going to make him better, I say.
Yeah, I think, you know, there's not really anything to worry about with Lance. Um, he either is going to be a starter or he won't be, and he'll be effective wherever wherever they put him, I, I think. Yeah. I think, you know, just, just let him keep getting his reps in. He'll be fine. If the best situation is to put him on the bullpen, He's get. We, we, I mean, we've seen him out of the bullpen before in October, <laughs> and, and we know what he's capable what he's capable of there. Uh, so I, I say don't don't really worry too much about it. Uh, but he'll be going up against Michael Lorenzen again, who's six and six to four nine four. He's coming off the sixty day IL uh, since early July against the Astros. He's been dealing with a right shoulder injury. Um, in that outing against the Astros, he only went three innings. Gave up eight hits, seven earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. Uh, we're probably going to see him on a pitch count. I would imagine coming off the IL with a shoulder injury. Uh, yeah. Probably going to want, probably going to want to limit that. Um, but this kind of works into my my vision for this series. Is maybe I'm going out on a limb here, and maybe I'm talking out my ass, but I think this is the series where the offense finally starts clicking. I. I just think, I mean, look look at the series we've had against the Angels this year. We mm-hmm. have kind of an up and down series to open the open the season. They come to Houston and knock our teeth in uh, you know, the third week of April in the home open, you know, that home opener series. We went out there, we had some disastrous games out west that were really gross and ugly. We had some ugly ones at home. And I I just I think this series this offense is going to exercise their demons and just really uh, kind of get payback on the angels for being annoying as hell this season. Uh, and, and I think that gets started on, on, on tonight on Friday night uh, feasting on Michael Lawrence. And, and I, I'm ready to see it because and, I, and I'm hoping I'm right because it's time to get the, to get the wheels greased and get going. And this is a good team to get that going against. I agree. I think, that's what we all want to see is the offense stay consistent and score more than just one run one night and four runs the other night. I think this offense is better than, you know, obviously we all know how the offense is and they know that they're better than what they're playing at. We can't play, like I was saying, we can't play at the competition level as the other teams, like these lower 500 teams, obviously the angels. And I mean, the schedule is not going to get any, harder i mean we're playing detroit after this series against the angels going to play oakland and then that's what we kind of see you know tampa bay baltimore that the stronger teams i'd say so um another player too to get going is jordan alvarez we've talked about him with his late struggles we haven't seen a jordan in a while i think since august 10 i believe i saw out there so i mean i would love to see him get going in the things because Bregman has shown what he's, you know, done in August. Obviously, Altuve, Tucker. I mean, we know where Alvarez is dealing with, too, with his hands. But at the same time, too, we don't want him to not hit in the playoffs. Because that is a key, um, that's a key bat. Yeah. And obviously, we saw that in 2019 in the postseason. His first postseason ever. He couldn't hit, you know, nothing. His average wasn't there. Um, you know, obviously the discipline wasn't there as well. And then the World Series, he kind of got the groove into things. Obviously, we saw this in last year's postseason and the ALCS, you know, the biggest of them all going, you know, I think he batted over 500, hitting a lot of home runs. I, I don't know the stat line in the top of my head, but I mean, he was smashing the ball. And we, we've seen a hot and cold Alvarez, you know, through these years, he's been in the big leagues. So 
you know, hopefully this cold stretch of him right now is it needs to end soon because October's coming. Like I said, that bat in that lineup, it's a different animal. It's a different team. Everybody yes. plays better with, you know, different hitters. And obviously Alvarez being that biggest of them all. I mean, I think this is a great, like you said, a great series for this offense to come up and start hitting the ball pretty well leading into, um, you know, October. Yeah, and, you know, we've, we've been waiting to see it. We've seen glimpses of it, but hopefully we, we can get it going here. Uh, game two, Saturday, Kyle Tucker bobblehead day, I believe. Uh, we got mm-hmm. Jose Arquiti on the mound for the Astros. Arquiti is 13-5 and five with a 3-5-1 ERA versus that man, Shohei Otani, who is 11-8 with a 2.58 ERA. Um, Arquiti, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about his transformation after he dropped that cutter uh, back in June, early July. Uh, his last outing was was against the Angels, and he, he dazzled. Seven innings pitched, four hits, no earned runs, one walk and eight strikeouts. Hopefully we can see a an outing similar to that. He's been pretty uh, solid against the Angels this year as a whole. He's had three starts, giving up uh, – he, he's had three starts, 18 innings pitched, 10 hits, two earned runs across those three starts, uh, four walks, and 18 strikeouts. So hopefully, you know, he, he's got their number and we can see that uh, because definitely keeping the Angels limited on runs is going to be critical when Shohei Otani is on the mound for them. Yeah, and obviously we've said his numbers before and it's pretty bad how the offense hasn't hit off of him. But there was a little bit of light, you know, going to that last um, game that they played against him, his last outing versus Houston, eight innings pitch, six hits, one earned run, zero walks, five strikeouts. Um we, we've talked about him all year, not really all year long, but the times that he faces against us, um, you know, he's dominated us. Obviously, he's had our number and everything like that. But, you know, this last outing, everybody looked a little bit more patient. They weren't swinging as much, striking out as much as they were, you know, because um, two of them outings, he had 12 strikeouts, which is pretty damn good. And, um, you know, putting the ball in play, getting contact on the ball, you know, six hits since it isn't a really bad stat. And we could do better. You know, obviously we could get him out of that game, obviously get to their bullpen because Absolutely. I'm pretty sure that game one, we're going to see the bullpen pretty early. Like we said, because of Michael Lorenz's injury, he's probably going to have a pitch count. Um, Yeah, but getting Otani out of that game early, continuing to get into that bullpen and carve them up, I think that's going to set up set up for success. And, you know, hopefully we could get a win against uh, Shohei Otani. Yeah, it would be great on Saturday going into Sunday to close this series out. Uh, we'll have Luis Garcia on the mound. Garcia is 11-8 and eight with a 3.99 ERA going against Tucker Davidson of the Angels, who's 2-5 and five with a 6.42 ERA. And in his last outing versus the Angels, uh, Luis had probably his best outing since that Yankee, the first game of that Yankees doubleheader coming out of the All-Star break. Um, he went seven innings pitched, three hits. One earned run, two walks, seven strikeouts, and that was what we—that was 2021, Luis Garcia, right there. Yes, that was what we've yeah. been waiting to come back mm-hmm. and 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 been looking for for a long time. So hopefully we can get a repeat of that uh, against the same team on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean it's a positive step for him too, I believe, because like we we just been preaching and preaching to the choir about getting to October soon. Um, it's going to be streaky and kind of, you know, 
seeing where he's going to be. Obviously, we said most likely he'll be in the bullpen. Is he going to earn that roster spot, though? Because you got others in Brian Abreu. You got um, Phil Maytant, Seth Martinez. Obviously, I don't think Seth will make it. But, I mean, Seth has had a good, you know, season with the Astros. But, obviously, Garcia, like we've said with the stats, pitching him early, always giving up runs and everything like that. This last outing, he didn't. So, I mean, this is a great, great sign for us and Garcia because if he could continue pitching like this and, you know, there, there's no way he's going to be messed up for October if that's the case. Yeah, no, totally. And, I mean, the strength of this team is in their arms. And the more arms that we have that are strong, the better and better mm-hmm. that gets. Uh, and so, we'll, again, he'll be on the mound versus Tucker Davidson. Uh, David, the Astros have actually seen him in the 2021 World Series when he was playing for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Did not uh, know that. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would have not even thought about it. It didn't even cross my mind. Uh, but the last time we saw him as an angel, we hit him pretty well. He only went six – or he only – he went six and a third, giving <laughs> up seven hits, seven earned runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. So – I say we tag him for another seven runs on Sunday afternoon. Why not get payback for that World Series ring that he has? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, carving up these guys. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is getting starting pitchers out. Um, because of course Shohei, we don't know how long Shohei Otani is going to last because he's pitched pretty damn good against us, going eight innings. I think he pitched over a hundred pitches too that game when he played against us. So I, I think it's important. to Tack on Tucker Davidson, try to get him out fifth, fourth inning. And hopefully, you know, either it could be a sweep or a serious win. Yeah. Either way, I think we walk out here with the series win. You got to feel pretty good about it. We'll talk here in a little bit that it's it's magic number season or damn near magic number season. Uh, so getting that number even smaller as we, as we march toward October. But that is our series versus the Angels this weekend. Uh, after this series, the Astros are going to head up to Detroit to take on the Tigers as part of this, you know, continuing crusade against the sub five hundred teams. And then, is it from there to Baltimore? No, we another... face oh we face Oakland back at home, and then we oh. travel to, to the Trump. Right. Oh, okay. So, so Baltimore's the next week. Got it. Got it. Got it. I, I think I believe we are six and two right now, though. Um, yeah, six and two right now of our record of 18 games of sub 500 teams. So, I mean, I think that's a there pretty great start. So obviously we got to take care of business against the angels. Like we said, one game at one game at a time before we move on to Detroit and, you know, see our good old friend AJ again. Yep. So let's move into Astros roundup. First off, we got our, our injury updates. So we'll go kind of around the wheel here. Uh, Justin Verlander. <laughs> Uh, per Mark Berman, he threw off the slope of the mound in the bullpen for the first time since his injury. Optimistic but cautious, says things have gone about as good as anybody could have hoped for, if not better. So that's a pretty good sign. I think it's a great sign. Um, you know, even people have said that he's hitting quicker than they thought of. So, that, I mean, that's a huge sign. But I'm hoping that he pitches, you know, two starts before we get into um, October, obviously, because I think it's going to be important for him to get back in his groove, like how yeah. Lance McCullers, you know, from half this. Well, you know, comparing Lance McCullers half of the season to Justin Verlander missing, what, two or three weeks. But at the same time, too, he's 40 years old coming off of Tommy John surgery. Um, 
you know, I think he would like to get back in the group of things because obviously we don't know. I don't even think he cares about Cy Young at this point. I think he might have that locked, but Dylan Cease is kind of right there. Yeah, that's but what the, I was going to say. I, at, the, at the very least, have him make I an think impression he, for the Cy Young. Yeah, I think that's at the back of his mind. I think the most important thing, I think, of course, for each player you would hope for is to get to that World Series title again yeah. and try to win the World Series for himself. Yeah, and, and hopefully that's the path we're on. Uh, and another guy that's going to be crucial for getting there is Ryan Presley. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Montero has, has has really stepped up in Presley's injury, and he kind of had that shaky stretch there in August, but mm-hmm. he's he's kind of returned back to form here. Uh, but still getting pressed back is going to be huge. Uh, per Brian McTaggart, he said that, quote, he did his normal throwing program and threw a light bullpen and felt good, according to pitching coach Josh Miller. So that's good to get him back. Um, he could be off the IL as early as this weekend. Uh, maybe maybe even tonight maybe we'll see tonight. him in action. Uh, but I would say we most likely see him at some point this weekend. Yeah, I think we could see him maybe Saturday or Sunday, uh, yeah. possibly today, like you said. Um, obviously, that's going to be a huge piece into our bullpen. It's going to make our bullpen even stronger than it already is. And, you know, Montero taking over that closing role has been a great sign because it's gotten his confidence back. Like you said, he's been pitching pretty damn good this month of September after that gruesome month of August. So, I mean, every all the signs are leading up to, you know, having the best ERA still in, in the American lead for the bullpen and for that bullpen to continue to have rest arms um, with Presley coming back as well. Yeah. And then another guy that, you know, hopefully getting back in the mix is Elevens Diaz. Uh, going to Chandler Rome, he's going to Round Rock tonight and to begin his minor league rehab assignment with, with the space. Or he went to Round Rock last night. Yeah. Uh, and, and so he'll, he'll start his, his rehab with the Space Cowboys tonight. So hopefully, you know, we, we can get him see that. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. His rehab started. His rehab started yesterday. Oh, and three. He went over three with one walk, but he also played shortstop. Hopefully we see him back on the Astros pretty soon. Yeah, that's another player, you know, another key attribute to this team. I think, you know, Mr. Utility himself taking over that Marvin Gonzalez role. And, um, you know, we saw what he could do key situations, um, you know, with his bat too, especially when he's healthy. So it's going to be a key part of him to get back to this ball club. Yeah, and and especially with the way that Trey Mancini has been struggling, you know, having another utility guy there that can play the, that can play left field or play uh, the infield when needed when needed is helpful. Yeah, and like we're just like what you just said, real quick. Let me just read the numbers of Trey Mancini. His last 15 games, nine for 51 with a batting average of 176, 263 on base percentage with a 333 slugging. He's only had them two home runs, seven RBIs, five walks. The biggest of them all is probably the strikeout rate. He has 19 strikeouts. Uh, not the biggest thing that we wanted to see from Trey coming, you know, from the trade deadline. We know the talents there, he knows the talents there himself. Um, Maybe it's just the consistency of playing the game more. I mean, I don't know if that could be the problem, you know, because we talked about too earlier that he was just, you know, playing and the next thing you know, he would be out of the lineup. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not really panicking on him. What are you what's your take on this guy? I'm I'm not really panicking just because 
I think he's a great addition and he and he helps, but I don't I don't think our I don't think our success and our ability to win the World Series is completely dependent on his performance. You know, mm-hmm. I think it yeah. certainly helps and you know it's it certainly is is some insurance. Um, but that's why I'm I'm not gonna panic. But I do think, like you said, I think that inconsistency, you know, you see guys that are like that, and it only makes sense. I mean, if you're not getting if you're not getting regular live ABs, you lose you lose those things. You lose your timing, and, and it's it's a lot harder to, to get in those grooves. And while we've seen his power capabilities, I just don't think he's played enough to really um, show us show us his, his his full potential as an Astro. Uh, so maybe you know we'll get to this point. We get a little later on in in September. We start to see some lineup changes. I could see Yuli uh, catching some bench time. Heading toward mm-hmm. the playoffs just just to give him a little bit of extra rest. So maybe we'll see Mancini more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not panicking. Are you? No, nah, that's not a huge panic. Like you said, it's just getting maybe like I was saying, just the inconsistent inconsistency. Maybe um, you know, obviously playing you you continue, especially when you played at Baltimore, you were starting every game. You were right. getting all the live at live abs and everything like that, and. You know, now you come to Houston to a winning ball club. Obviously, we got Yuli Gurio at first. We got Jordan in left or Chas McCormick in left. Um, you know, more depth basically. And we haven't seen him really at first base a lot this year. I think we've seen him maybe in left field with the Astros more than he has, you know, first yeah, base DH. with Houston. Well, we've seen more a lot of DH too as well. Um, so it, it could be the inconsistency for him. Like you said, it's not a big, big thing to worry about because we know Trey has the talent um you know he he's obviously going to be a key contribution that's why we went to go get him at the trade deadline for this team so i mean it's it's just one of the things you know you you sit on the bench you just got to get hot at some time but dusty can't put a hot hitter you know as soon as he finds it out you can't just put him back on the bench so right. I, i'm hoping you know if mancini catches hot this late September, he better not put Mancini on the bench because I would, oh, I think Twitter would go crazy with that. Yeah, and I mean that's what we we could do a whole podcast episode. We basically have already about that decision making <laughs> from Dusty. Uh, but some good news. Uh, our our sweet Prince, our sweet Jose Altuve, was announced was announced yesterday that he is the Astros nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award. Uh, the award is given to the one player uh, who best represents the game of baseball through extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, and positive con- contributions both on and off the field. Uh, that's huge for Altuve. I think he's been the Astros nominee several times now. Yeah, I think him and Bregman, most yeah. of them, has been the nominee. I think I don't even know if he has won the actual Roberto. I don't think he has because he won the so. award. You have a special patch in the back of your hat above the Major League Baseball logo with the number 21. Obviously, oh, the really? number 20. Yeah. yeah. I think it just recently just came upon, like, you know, putting on the hat. Um, but, I mean, we already know this guy has done so much for the city of Houston. We don't have to continue bragging. Just yesterday, they had um, Lance McCullers Foundation, Kyle Tucker's Foundation, and Jose Altuve's Foundation did something for the city of Houston obviously, you know, with their foundations. So, um, you know, congrats to Altuve and everything for 
everything he has done for the city and you know ex especially taking so much crap from other people and oh yeah yeah and this is and, and there's a fan vote in here as well um so make sure you guys are going you can go to astros.com and it's right, right big right there on, on the home page and and vote for jose altuve show him show him and show the rest of major league baseball how how loved he is by by houston and by this community uh and, and embodying those ideals of Roberto Clemente. <laughs> All right. So yeah. next thing, another piece of good news, Houston Astros as a franchise are officially an over 500 uh, ball club. We're a winning franchise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the current record right now is 48, 13, 48, 13, all leaving up um, from that Texas series. So, you know, hopefully we continue to add on more wins into our season. Um, according to AT&T Sports Net broadcast, the last time the Astros had a 500 record was back in May 14, 2006. They were 35 and 19. Um, same as, you know, tied, you know, 35 and 19, 35, 19. But the highest above 500 percentage record was on May 4, 2006, being 35 and 16. And, you know, loses was 35 and 12. So hopefully, you know, we, we have the talent to continue on to win. I think Astros baseball is here to stay, um, you know, as a winning ball club. Obviously, we gave Jordan that contract extension. We have Altuve for another two, three years. Uh, same thing that Bragg's the only one we got to get extended, I believe, is Kyle Tucker. Mm -hmm. But um, for now, I mean, this is a great accomplishment um, for the franchise and for the organization. Yeah, absolutely huge. Um, you know, the, seeing that those numbers coming back from 2006, they were at a 500 record. And they got so low in the in those disaster years. It took 16 years to get back up to a to a 500 record. Um, but yeah, let's add on to that a little bit more. And so uh, now for our last piece of Astros roundup, I'm going to give the floor to you because I know that this is a subject that you're very passionate about something that you're very frustrated with. And I just want to give you the opportunity <laughs> to get it all off your chest and tell us about former Astros AAA player, Lewis Brinson. Yeah. So obviously we all know that Lewis Brinson got traded to the San Francisco Giants for cash considerations, which of course, you know, we're probably going to need that cash for the extension of Kyle Tucker. But um, I mean, he's hitting pretty damn, not pretty damn good, but pretty good for the San Francisco Giants. And we, I said before, too, I'm glad he's over there getting some playing time. In six games, he's 5 for 17 with a double, three home runs, three RBIs. Um, batting average of a 294 on base percentage as well, 294, and slugging 882. Um, James Click had mentioned on the Sean Salisbury show that they traded Lewis Brinson because of the 40-man roster. Obviously, we knew that they DFA'd uh, Peter Solomon and Nico Goodrum. But um, James Click had to say this. He said, if Lewis goes out and continues to have success, we're going to look back and try to figure out, did we miss something? James, I wish you would have gave this guy a chance. He was a number one overall, um, you know, first overall 16 pick in uh, the 2014 draft from Miami. Um, he has talent. He has the speed. Um, with the center field situation right now, there is nobody – well, I'm pretty sure we could say Chaz McCormick right now is the lead guy. But you're putting out there Mauricio Dubon 
for JV's, you know, center fielder that Dusty has said, I wish yeah. we would have gave this guy a chance. He had a yeah. 299 batting average. He was slashing the ball in AAA with the uh, Space Cowboys. I just, like I said, I we talked about it too when we're predicting who would get called up. Who would you like to see called up? I obviously said Lewis Brinson, and I believe I said Corey Jokes if it wasn't going to be Hunter Brown and Yanier, Yanier Diaz. I think he could have provided us something. You know, obviously we gave it gave up cash. You know, we got we brought in cash, but we gave up. I think a valuable guy that could have helped our ball club be even better. He just needed an opportunity and he's made the most of it uh, going to the Bay area and his first game with the giants. I believe, I know he had a home run, but I don't know if he had a multi-homer game in his first game with them. And that was against the Dodgers too, which is a pretty good team and a pretty good, you know, they got a good starting rotation and bullpen. So yeah, James, I mean, I wish we could have gave him a chance, but you know, we'll we'll just have to see how it plays all out for him. And like I said, I'm I'm glad he's getting some playing time with the Giants, and hopefully, you know, the best for him. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I mean, you you, you miss, you win. Hopefully, this doesn't become our Dodgers trading Jordan Alvarez. But I don't I don't think it's gonna be quite the same. Nah, I don't think so either. <laughs> it just would have right. been nice. Yeah. So let's move into around the league as we wrap up the show for today. Obviously, the big story in baseball that everyone's chasing um, outside of the postseason approaching, obviously, is Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is steadily making his way towards etching his name in the history books. Uh, He has 55 home runs. He matched his 55th on Wednesday afternoon, uh, and there's 24 games remaining. So he is currently six shy of Roger Maris's 1961 American League record of 61 home runs uh, and I can't do math 19 shy of, of Barry Bonds. <laughs> this one, I'm not going to hit that one, but I think he has a really, really good shot at, at taking Roger Maris's American League record. And obviously not only is it the American League record, but it's, you know, quote unquote, the real record, depending on how you stand yeah. as far as the steroids and stuff goes. But Aaron Judge kind of made his case clear about that yesterday as well. Yeah, I think he has a great chance of catching Maris's record. 24 games with 55 home runs, uh, you know, that he already has collected. Like I said, I think it would be go good for him to go out with a bang, clash a record with the Yankees, you know, being in the Yankees history that they have over there. And obviously, we know he's going to go to San Francisco. I, I think that's why I projected him. I think you as well have projected him going to yeah. San Francisco Giants later in the offseason. So um, why not just keep on doing that? And, you know, like I said, I think he's the MVP too, even though Shohei's having a good season, you know, pitching and hitting-wise. I, I think Judge is the most valuable player on that team because if without him in that lineup, this Yankees team is not going to make it to the postseason. No, yeah, he he's kind of been the only thing keeping them somewhat afloat here recently. Um, so another big, the other big news coming out of the baseball world yesterday was the MLB Rules Committee. They're actually voting today on a few important rule changes for for next season. Uh, but we already know what the rules are, and they are all expected to pass. Uh, most of them are targeted at pace of play and. Um, banning the shift. So those are kind of the two big things. So as far as pace of play goes, we've seen we're gonna see the pitch clock here to stay. 
uh, times being 15-second pitch clock with the bases empty and 20-second pitch clock with runners on base. But, and I think, you know, because I think we've kind of gotten used to the pitch clock. I mean, we kind of figured it was yeah. going to stay. Uh, mm-hmm. But what was interesting to me, and I'm curious if it's actually, it's being written like it's, you know, basically done deal. But this is an interesting rule to me uh, that pitchers are going to be allowed only two disengagements from the rubber, uh, including pickoff attempts per plate appearance, meaning they can't reset, no pitcher timeouts, anything like that, uh, which that's an interesting rule to me, especially yeah. with the pickoff attempts. So, I mean, if you're mm-hmm. saying that you can only if you can only make two pickoff attempts, what's going to stop batters or runners from going, you know, from drawing the And I guess that's what they want. I guess that's what the goal is here is to induce more stolen bases. But I think that's a really interesting rule. And I don't think it's going to play out the way they think it is, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't really, not really liking that rule because obviously, it's a you know it's a chess and checkers game for these guys. Right. The pitcher's got to figure out, the catcher's got to figure it out. Obviously, you know you put great runners on the back. Jeremy Pena, you know, for being on one of our sides, um, you know it, it could. I wonder if they're gonna like you know would it be countered as a balk if they overdo it? You know would they say okay you go That's from first question. to second? I don't know. You know would it be? And I'd be interested to hear that too as well. I mean, I don't like the call because obviously, you know, as a runner, you're you're messing with the pitcher's head. You're messing with their timing as well. And not just that, but you got to look at the timing. Obviously, first base coaches um, have a counter, not counter watch, you know, a stopwatch, you right. know, to continue seeing, you know, how far, not how far, but how, you know, their time goes from being at set to the plate. So, um not not a big fan of that one, but it'll be interesting to see what they say about it. Yeah, and you know, seeing that implemented is going to be interesting. Uh, and, and kind of on on the same note, there uh, as far as inducing more stolen bases, the size of the physical size of bases is going to be increased uh, from 15 square inches to 18 square inches. Um, the reasoning behind it is to increase player safety, creating more uh, safe space for runners to. Uh, to be on base with, you know, and avoid those risky slides and risky tags. Uh, but again, you know, increasing more stone bases because that extra inch and a half, or I guess really three inches that you're going to lose between the bases uh, make, can make a big difference on those split second tags on, on stolen bases. So I, I'm going to be interested to see how this really impacts uh, stolen bases going into next season. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big thing for, you know, runners with the speed, especially. Uh, we all know. Especially you know, at Dan- first. Yeah, you know, at first, even at second, too, if you think about it, you know, with the close plays, you know, being one of them at the top of my head, I could think right now is the 2004 with uh, Dave Roberts stealing that base on Posada and the Yankees, how close it was. If they would have got him out, you know, that ends that series. Yankees go on to the World Series instead of the Red Sox coming back from that 3-0 series, um, you know, to move on. But, yeah, I mean, I think stolen bases are going to be going um, – I think everything's going to be increasing with the runners on and being more aggressive. It's going to be yeah. an interesting, you know, take on that. And I, I think I like it too because, you know, as a speedster on the bag, you want to try to take advantage of what you're getting. And obviously we're getting bigger bases. 
you know, with the two uh, disengagements on the rubber as well with the pickoff attempts, you know, maybe it's good for the game. Maybe it's not. Yeah. And, you know, that, that kind of brings up the second or, or not the second, but the next major rule change is, is banning the shift. You know, all these things are being done with the goal of making the, the, the product of a baseball game more engaging, uh, not so long, not so boring, quote unquote boring. Um, <laughs> and, and banning the shift is another one of those things that's been talked about. You know, we've, we've seen the dips in offense and we've seen the rise of the three true outcome hitters over the last decade, decade and a half. Yeah. Um, and so the, the by banning the shift, the rules are going to be that only two infielders are allowed on each side of second base with all four required to be on the dirt or the inner grass. And also infielders cannot position themselves on the outfield grass before the pitch is thrown. So effectively killing the majority of, of, of the shift. I mean, there's still going to be slight shifting, but more yeah. in the in, in the traditional sense. But what's interesting, this kind of is timely. I saw this come up the other day, uh, that the home run leaders from 1990 to 1999, okay? So you have Mark McGuire, who hit 405 home runs in that in the decade and with an average of 268. King Griffey Jr. hit 382 home runs, but he hit it, he hit for average at 302. Barry mm-hmm. Bonds hit 361, but hit for average at 302. Albert Bell hit for average at 299. Juan Gonzalez, 296. Sammy Sosa, 268. Rafael Palmero, 299. I mean, these guys hit for average. Your mm-hmm. power hitters hit, and that we don't see that anymore. You know, no, like you, mm-hmm. you just don't see that. Um, you know, Jordan had that hot stretch this year and got his average up to you know three oh seven with 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 you know all those dongs mixed in there. But really, there's there's just not a lot of uh, guys that are that are hitting for average and for power anymore. Mm-hmm. And part of that, I think, is you know an offensive approach, but also just the way the shift has developed. They're not getting the chance to do so. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I mean, the number one play that comes into mind is Joey Gallo because he's been the biggest yeah. one on this role because he has his average is crap. Let's just face it like that. But again, with him, strikeout rate's pretty damn high. So you can't tell, you know, something, you know, you can't tell somebody we need to abandon the shift and everything like that. But yeah, when you go up to the plate, you're striking out. So, um, right. you know, Cody Bellinger, too, has been having a big dip. Two of our Astro players being Alvarez and Kyle Tucker, they've been, you know, the top, I would say the top 10 hitting into the shift. If they oh, don't yeah. hit into the shift, they are a 300 hitter. Kyle Tucker went on that stretch last year with 297 with the shift. So um, I, I'm 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 kind of mixed with this. I like it because, like you said, the averages go up. We get to see the true hitter. Altuve obviously has been pulling the ball at a great rate. You know, these past couple of seasons, Yuli Gurriel has hit up the middle this season, even last season. And you people are bashing on him because he's not hitting the ball. If the shift was banned today, Yuli Gurriel would probably have a, a a decent average. He would probably be hitting 280, 285 because I'm, yeah. I told you he hits up the middle a lot. And obviously when he hits it up the middle, there's somebody there behind the bag. Um, the thing I don't like about this is you know what are we taking what are we teaching the future of ball club you know not the ball club the ball players being brought up as a baseball player you know through you know from the little league days 
to going into high school, even in high school, the biggest thing and the biggest approach when you're hitting the ball is to hit it both ways. When you get to right. college, you have to hit it both ways. In order to play in the collegiate level, you need to learn how you need to learn to hit the ball left field, center field, and right field. What are we teaching the future generation of ball players if if we ban the shift? You know, okay, that's just telling them, okay, if you're a pool hitter, continue pulling the ball. You know, it just that's the thing that I don't like right there because growing up, you know, playing baseball, it was always taught to hit both sides. You make yourself a better player when you hit both sides. But obviously now, you know, taking that away from the major leagues, it I, I feel like it'll basically won't even be worth it anymore. It's just gonna tell them, you know, hit it this way, hit it that way. But that that's just a baseball player's perspective getting into that higher level of play. Yeah, no, and, and it's a great point. And also, you know, what are we kind of opening Pandora's box here? You know, at what point are we going to move the fences in or, you know, start messing with mm-hmm. more field dimension stuff? And, you know, it is what it is. And I get that at the end of the day, you have to you have to accept that, like, yeah, this is a business. It's an entertainment product. But also, like, this is a game with a very storied past and history that you got to also mm-hmm. respect. But we'll see how this all plays out because who knows? This this could go into effect and then be gone again in the next CBA. So who, who really knows what's here to stay? Um, but what is here to stay is magic number season. Uh, we are here. We are in the final weeks of the Major League Baseball regular season. Obviously going through the first week of October this year, we had a bit of a delay uh, to the start of the season with the lockout. Um, but we're, we're getting there. It's crunch time. The Nationals and the Athletics have become the first teams completely eliminated from the playoffs. They will not be seeing any postseason baseball for sure. Uh, and there's several more teams on the brink. So I'm going to run through real fast just a, a magic number check for some of the, the teams in baseball. The Astros' magic number is sitting at 15 uh, this fine Friday morning. The Yankees' magic number is at 22, but they're basically not even on magic number watch. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays <laughs> right there behind them at four and a half games back in the division, and the Blue Jays only six games back. So that's a division that still could get interesting, what we'll talk about here in a sec. Uh, Cleveland is 26 for their magic number. Again, another tight divisional race uh, with the Twins only a game and a half back and the White Sox only two games back. Uh, so that's not super magic number watch. The Cardinals are at 17 for their magic number. They are eight games ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers in the National League Central, kind of starting to run away with that division. Uh, but the lowest magic number belongs to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who have a magic mm-hmm. number of seven and a series this weekend against the second-place team in their division, the San Diego Padres. So we could see we could see them effectively clinch the division. Probably by this time next week, I'd say there's a good chance that the the Dodgers have clinched their division. And then the last one uh, is the Mets, who have a magic number right now of 25, but an even closer divisional race because the Atlanta Braves are right there on their tail, man. The Braves have been hot, mm-hmm. and they are a half game back from the Mets in the NL East. Uh, so that that's an interesting division as, as well. Um, I don't know, man. Are you excited for getting these wild card races and these division races Coming down to the wire. 
Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see that Mets in Atlanta. Um yeah. That's going to be the most interesting one I feel like because I mean the Mets have been doing great this year. We we know they've had a, they're like Atlanta too. Atlanta had a slow start and now they look where they're at. Mets had a slow ending of, you know, before the All-Star break and then all of obviously they just cut hot. Um, you know, this past All-Star break, now they lost Max Scherzer because of uh, injury we didn't think he was going to go on the il but he ended up getting on the il um nothing serious or anything like that it's just be cautious but that takes advantage for atlanta to jump over them so yeah. that's going to be interesting for that second seed obviously the dodgers we already know they they're i mean the padres are second place 19 games back from getting that division we talked about you know how good that squad is over there um Yankees, of course, is the biggest of them all. Um, they're going to be playing Tampa Bay this coming weekend at home. They got to do something. They got to yeah. do something because they're going to lose in the fingertips. Don't sleep on Toronto either. Mm-hmm. Toronto six games back, like you said. We we're just talking about Tampa Bay being six games back the other day, and now look where they're at. They're they're just if they do a sweep right here against the Yankees, oh man, it's it's going to be even more scarier. But I mean. It it is it's very exciting. It's very exciting um, to the central. I'm I'm interested to see that. Um, I think Minnesota clinches that. You know, even though they're one and a half games back, because Zach Plesac punched the ground. I don't know if you saw that video on Twitter surfacing. He punched the ground and obviously broke something in his hand. That's one starting pitcher there down. Uh, Shane Bieber is probably the most reliable one I could say behind Tristan McKenzie as well. Minnesota doesn't have really a lot of starting pitching, I could say, but mm-hmm. the offense is there to help them. If they could get a healthy Byron Buxton back, which they, are, which they are desperately needing right now, that could change that whole thing up. And then the White Sox, I think it's just been a – I mean, that central is just all pitiful, like we said, to begin with, because we predict – I think both of us predicted the White Sox um, winning that division. And seeing how close it is right now, I mean, no one knows who could come up and clinch it. But obviously, like you said, I mean, it's it's very exciting. Magic number season is here to stay. Um, obviously, we thank the Astros, you know, because obviously we love our Astros. They're going to cl- clinch the division, what, five and six years now? Or would it be four and five years? I, I can't think of it at the top of my head. But uh, Four and five years. They didn't win the, they didn't win the division in 2020. Yeah, you know, we take that COVID year out because that wasn't even an actual season. Just ask the right. Dodgers of their Mickey Mouse trophy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, dude, when it comes to postseason baseball, it's very exciting. And I think when it comes to the end of September, that's when the excitement just keeps, you know, building. So I'm very yeah. excited to see what, you know, what opponents we play. We talked about it, you know, on our other episodes. We heard from y'all who would y'all want to play you know, in that division series, because it's going to be a very important, you know, if we're going to play Tampa Bay, if we're going to play Toronto, we might even play the Yankees, but I think Seattle too is, it's a, that's a great team. I've I've talked about it. Even though we dominate them in the division, I would still want to stay away from them because like I was telling you them start that the starting pitching that they have, the offense that they have too, that's been pretty hot lately. I mean, you never know. You just never know. Just, just ask the Nationals in 19 that they beat us in a wild card. Yeah, so that, that's a good point. Kind of heading to our finale here. So some other series of note this weekend. 
Uh, the Red Sox versus the Orioles. The Orioles are fighting to stay alive in the American League wild card. Right now, they're four and a half games back. So if, if they can sweep or win this series against the Red Sox, they could still be in that conversation. But uh, if the Orioles were to lose this series, it would probably come pretty close to, to tightening up the AL wild card spots as belonging to the Rays, the Mariners, and the Blue Jays. And then obviously, of course, theoretically, if the Yankees were to fall, uh, they could fall into that wild card spot as well. Um, and that's the other, that's the next big series, the Yankees versus Rays. Rays, again, like we mentioned, four and a half games back. Um, the Rays took two of three from the Yankees at the Trop last week. Uh, so headed up headed up to the Bronx this weekend to play a very, very, very big, very important series. Blue Jays versus Rangers. Uh, we we just saw the Rangers. They're bang or not banged up. They're not that great. They are going to see Josh Jung though. He he's been called up and and he should start tonight, I believe, for the Rangers at third base. Um, and he's one of their most exciting prospects. So they're they're excited to see him. But the Blue Jays, they're right now sitting even in, in the AL wild card, um, looking to pad that cushion a little bit. Give them they got a four and a half game lead on the O's. Uh, give them a little bit more of a, of a lead there. And you know potentially stay in contention for that division crown. Uh, Padres versus Dodgers. This is just two teams that hate each other. This yeah. is two teams that hate each other. <laughs> fan two, bases and everything. Two fan man. bases. It's... I guarantee you, we're gonna see some wild ass videos from the stands of some idiots uh, fighting each other and ripping jerseys off and shit like we do every year or every time these guys play. Um, Back at the trade deadline, we thought like this is going to be a series that's important, but these two teams have had wildly different seasons, you know, wildly different, different months. You know, I mean, yeah. the Dodgers have been incredible since the trade deadline, and the Padres really have, have been bad. I would even say they've been not good. Um, yeah, well, real quick, let me throw that out there too. Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Josh Hader, they thought them three guys were going to change yeah. their season around. It's gone downhill. They, they, you know, Josh Hill, not Josh Hill, Josh Bell and Juan Soto have not been hitting pretty good. And then obviously we saw the, you know, he's broken. Josh Hader is broken. They figure hitters have figured them out in the National League. And it's, you know, to see him, you know, have successful two seasons that he was with the Brewers and then get traded, you know, thinking that he was going to do good with the Padres. It just gotten worse for them. So, yeah, I wanted to throw that out there real quick, too. Yeah, that's I mean that series is going to be interesting because it doesn't really mean anything for the Dodgers like we said they they they're basically locked up waltzing into that first seed in the National League. Uh but for the Padres they are sitting at a half game lead in the NL wild card. Uh the Phillies right behind them and then Milwaukee's only two and a half games back. So I mean the Padres don't really have a lot of margin for error. They could find themselves sitting on the outside. Uh, of that wild card spot if they're not careful here and if they if they don't get swept. But the real the the marquee matchup I think uh outside of Yankees versus Rays this weekend is Braves versus Mariners. These are yeah. two teams that are really good that have played a, a very solid last month of baseball. Uh the Braves are 22 and 8 over their last 30. The Mariners are 20 and 10 over the same span. Um so these are these are both hot teams. These are both teams that made the uh, the right moves, you know, at the deadline and September call-ups, they're feeling good. We got rookie sensations on both sides. We got incredible starters on both sides. We've got sluggers. 
Uh, this is going to be an awesome series uh, in Seattle, in Seattle. Um, both these teams, you know, looking to make some noise. Braves, obviously, like you mentioned, they're coming for that first spot in the National League East. They're gar- they're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot. They're 11 mm-hmm. games up at the wild card. But you best believe they want to win that division. And then, of course, the Mariners uh, probably pretty solidly in that wild card spot in the American League. Going to make their first playoffs in 20 years, it looks like. Um, but you can never be too safe. You can never, never, you know, give yourself enough room for error there. And if I just jinx the Mariners, oops. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great weekend of baseball. Obviously, we're gonna be competing with with some good college football games and the, the return of the NFL. But um, great baseball is out there, guys. And, and baseball season is not over. We are headed right into the best part of it. And yeah, uh, this is the best. The, the yeah. best part, like you said. I mean. Let, let me. I think I'll even predict this. We could see a Braves and Mariner because, like I was telling with the Braves signing these rookies and Michael Harris, obviously, I think Spencer Strider is going to get a deal either this coming offseason or during the season next year. Um, they got all the talent that they got a young talent over there. They signed Matt Olson to a long uh term yeah. contract, yeah, pretty Austin sure they a long term contract. Acuna, no, pretty sure Acuna Jr. Albies, one of them are going to get the contract. I think one of them they'll probably lose out on. And then obviously the Mariners, like I was telling you, that starting pitching rotation is pretty damn good. And, um, you know, Julio Rodriguez being probably the AL winning rookie of the year. Um, 2020 guy had a remarkable year this year. This could be possibly a World Series matchup in the future. I I, I could predict that. I could honestly predict that, even though we hate the Mariners, they hate us. And obviously, we don't want them to win the division. But, you know, being unbiased here, I think these, you know, like you said, these are two great ball clubs made the right moves and everything like that. And this could possibly be a World Series matchup later in the future. Yeah, you know, like, I I don't think that the Astros World Series window is closing. Uh, but I no, do think the division's, about, the division's about to be a lot more competitive these next mm-hmm. few years. Mariners are on the come up. Rangers are on the come up blink and somehow the a's are going to be not maybe not competitive for the division but they'll be they'll be better than they were this year they will be better um i, I wouldn't be surprised figure their crap out <laughs> you know if, if the angels I, I i you know i used to be very firmly in the camp that there's zero chance that angels would trade otani um but if they're getting ready for if they're getting ready to sell the team i think that changes they, things you got to go a whole rebuild if that's the case yeah, I think, I think if you're going to sell the team, if they do sell the team, because I mean, that, that was the whole reason with, with you know, the the Nats trading Soto was mm-hmm. they didn't, they, they wanted to be more attractive to a new buyer um, because you don't want the, you don't want to buy the team. And then the first act is either lose your star player in free agency or trade them away. So trade yeah. them away before you sell the team to get back a good prospect for. Um, so I do think, I, I think that changes things a little bit there. Obviously, they're they're stuck with that disgusting Anthony Rendon contract, and Trout is going to be Trout. Um, but they have they have a history of that. They have a history of ugly contracts. Oh you yeah, know, we've we've talked about that earlier. Oh, dude, it's their fault. I, I think all of this yeah, is their fault. Exactly. That exactly. contract they, that contract they gave to Pujols has has yeah. screwed up free agency in baseball, and it, yeah. it, 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 it's not going to stop. It's not because I mean, obviously. Diaz is going to get a good contract being the closer that he is. And he's getting popularity popularity over a song, 
And we, yeah. you know, I mean, we even talked about it. We talked about it that last two seasons that he's been with the Mets, Mets fans have been giving him shit, you they know? And him. now, but yeah, and then all of a sudden a song comes up and he's like the best reliever in, you know, Major League Baseball all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, that window two for the AL West, it's going to be a wild, wild west. It's not, you know, the Rangers, like you said, Josh Jung is going to be coming up soon. Uh, they got Jack Leiter over there. They got Kumar Rocker, um, you know, other prospects as well. The A's, they, I think, I don't I don't like for them to relocate. I would just like a new field for them. I don't, I don't, you've been to the Coliseum. I haven't. But just seeing the Coliseum empty, you know, all the time, high school stadiums get probably packed you know, in Texas more than that stadium now. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to see how this AOS is going to shape up, you know, in the next coming years. Yeah, and, you know, I, I thought about the other day, I was like, to put, to put it in perspective, like, imagine if Minute Maid was, like, next to Hobby in Houston. That's what the, that's what the call seems like. <laughs> that, and it, like, like if, if it was dumpier and that's where it's location was, that, that's what – that's what it's like or like on the ship channel oh man yeah that that, that wouldn't be good <laughs> no um anyway that's our show for today happy friday enjoy your friday make sure you give us a follow on twitter at full steam ahead if you're not already following us uh and as always leave us a review we'd love to hear from you guys things we could do better things we things you enjoy uh we'd love to hear y'all's feedback and of course share us with your friends family and go shows yeah, one more thing before we end the show. If you're in fantasy baseball, playoffs are here. Money's on the line. If you're in the money league, then money's on the line. Um, yeah, just look at the waiver wire. You're ready. To, you know, it's going to be two weeks of hard-fought baseball with your players as being the manager that you are, the GM, you would say. Um, of course, fantasy football here. I think that's all of us. I think we're all pay attention to that. We're glued to that. Football's here as well. Um, but like Will said, don't, don't get your eyes off the – the teams that are going to be going against each other this past this coming weekend. So as always, see you guys.